hold on to them, but you're not going to need them because I've got everything up here. And we're going to continue in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have really feel like you've been made more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in your life in this, this series? Have you? I know I have. And uh, it's going to be a good one tonight. We're going to talk about the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. And so let's stand one more time and then you can be seated for the rest of the evening. But I want to read this one verse together. And this is a, a great one. And let's read it. Are you ready? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now notice something with me. He didn't say as many as are touched by the Spirit of God or affected by the Spirit of God. Notice that he says, if you're a believer, you will be, what everybody? Led by the Spirit of God. So we're going to talk about the leading of the Spirit tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to experience the precious leading of your Spirit that we so need every day in every way. In Jesus' name, we breathe a prayer to say, Lord, lead me. Lead me. Amen. All right, you can be seated. God bless you. Now, I just pulled a little quote from G. Campbell Morgan, a great, great teacher of the Word. And uh, listen to what he says about the Spirit of God. To the individual believer indwelt by the Holy Spirit, there is granted the direct impression of the Spirit of God on the Spirit of man, imparting the knowledge of His will in matters of the smallest and greatest importance. This has to be sought and waited for. Now I'm going to back up and read the last part of that again because this is what I'm talking about tonight. This is real Christianity. Notice, imparting the knowledge of his will individually with each one of us in matters of the smallest and greatest importance. This has to be sought and waited for. You've got to wait for his guidance and you've got to seek his guidance. You know, I haven't said this in this series on the Holy Spirit, but I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. I've never seen the Holy Spirit force himself on any person. He is a gentleman and he is, he is his, his presence and his ministry are requested and sought and waited for, longed for and desired. And it is to those people the Spirit of God uh, directs, gives His direction, gives His will, imparts His knowledge. And we can so easily grieve Him away. You're still saved, but you can so easily grieve Him away. Just a sentence out of your mouth can grieve Him. Just a look in the wrong direction can grieve Him. A, an action, 30-second action can just grieve Him. And you feel like you've got to re-court the presence of the Holy Spirit. That book that was called Practicing the Presence of the Spirit, uh, great title, says it all. The presence of the Holy Spirit is practiced. We learn how to walk in Him. We learn how to invite Him to guide us. I believe every day you ought to, you ought to pray a prayer. You ought to say, Lord, please today guide me in the smallest and the greatest matters. I think it takes us um, maybe a little bit of a revelation to realize he wants to speak to us and guide us in the smallest things that we don't think God would be concerned about. 
I lost my keys one time. I've lost them a bunch of times, but this one time I remember. I lost my keys, and I had two sets of keys. One had the house keys and, and P.O. box keys and all of that, on, on, and then I had the car key. And what I had done is I had dropped the, the house keys, the, the bigger ring of keys, somewhere. And I got home and realized I couldn't get in, and I didn't know where they were. And my first response was to use my mind, go back where, everywhere that I had been. And I couldn't find these keys. And it was kind of scaring me a little bit because this was house keys, P.O. box keys, important keys. And then I thought, how come I haven't prayed about this? Oh, well, God doesn't care about my keys. He's got, uh, he's got um, the Israeli situation. He's got kings and rulers and presidents to deal with. He's not, he doesn't know about my keys. But I stopped and I said, Lord where are my keys? And I got still. And I'm telling you, this little impression came to me. You left them. I'm serious. It was just this little nudge, little still small voice. And I went where that nudge, that little impression had told me. And there they were on the ground. And I thought, he cares about my keys. He cares about the smallest things. And, 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 you know, it's, and I used to wonder, how can God answer so many prayers? There's people pray, praying all over the world, millions of them at the very same time. If you're God, how do, you, how do you handle all of that stimuli? How do you do it? Well, if I had a thousand needles and stuck you with all of them all at once, You'd feel every one of them at the same time. God is a spirit. It doesn't matter if there's a billion people praying. He feels them and hears them all at the same time and can answer them. So he cared about my keys. So I had a benefit right there when I saw my keys. You know what a benefit is? Forget not all his benefits. You know, you have fear fits. You have anger fits. You can have a benefit. And that just means you just praise God for a minute. I mean, I got Holy Ghost bumps on top of Holy Ghost bumps when I saw those keys because he cares about the smallest and the greatest things. And, and if, we, if we learn to walk with him, we find the Spirit of God is ever present with us. And he cares. Amen. Now, in addition to all his other functions, the Holy Spirit performs the office of guide to the godly. Let's, just, let's explore some of the ways that he guides us. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit guides us into inward righteousness. That's what the Holy Spirit does. David prayed, watch this, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Give me understanding. Yet he knew that more than divine illumination was needed, so he continued to pray and said, make me to go. In the path of your commandments, incline my heart to your testimonies. Have you ever noticed that apart from the Holy Spirit, your heart goes where it ought not? Amen? And we're going to talk about that a lot more in just a moment. But notice how David said, Lord, I need you to incline my heart. 
I need you to, to turn my heart like a river. I need you to turn it in the right direction. I need you to persuade my heart. Have you ever noticed that it's easy for us to be worldly, but it's difficult for us to be heavenly? Have you noticed that? And, and you know, there's that saying, you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. That is such a wrong statement. Because the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you are. But it's very hard for you and me on a daily basis, day in and day out, 9 to 5, 24-7, 365 a year, to be heavenly. We, we are bent in our hearts, in our flesh, to be worldly. No wonder Paul cried out in frustration these words, quote, I know that all God's commandments are spiritual, but I'm not. Now, that may not sound like a very good confession, but it's a good one. And I'll tell you why. Because as soon as you say, I'm, I'm in and of myself, I am not spiritual. I'm very natural, very carnal. And the minute that you say that, you're admitting that you've got to lean on him. Now he goes on, look at what he says. Isn't this also your experience? This is out of the Message Bible, by the way. Yes, I'm full of myself, Paul says, full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. Ring a bell in here? You know what I tell you about your halos now when I'm talking to you. They're not near as polished as you might think. Now, by the blood, we've been made righteous. But experientially, aren't we all working out our own salvation with fear and trembling? And isn't this what we find out? You, you have all kinds of good intentions, but it's not so easy to do them. I'm going to get up at 6 in the morning and pray. That's my New Year's resolution. And you're lucky if you make it four mornings out of the year. You meant well. Look what he says. I end up doing what I despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. You know what I tell you about this word? You're never going to perfectly obey it. You're not ever going to. But here's what this word does. It pulls us up. It's always, it's always pulling us upward. You read that word, you see the way you ought to be, you know how you ought to live. We're supposed to walk in love and joy and in peace, so on and so forth. And then you run across somebody that's virtually impossible to love and you find yourself struggling to do it. And you run up against this thing called the flesh. And, you, and, and so you try to love, but you're not doing it perfectly. You're doing it as, as best you can, but it's not perfect. But if it weren't for the word, you wouldn't be trying at all. It pulls us up. It's pulling us up. It's always pulling us up. So I got to have God's command. And Paul and David both knew that it would take supernatural intervention and influence and influence to lead them into righteousness. Paul further testified, and I love his honesty. Thank God for Paul's honesty. He said, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. 
He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. He's talking about the battle that we all experience on the inside. Until you go to heaven, you've got flesh. That's all there is to it. Yeah, your nature has been reborn, but you're still in a tent of flesh. And that new nature inside of you cries out for God's best. The flesh goes directly against his best. So you have this battle going on in the inside of you every day. And it's the two dogs that live inside of you fighting each other. Which one wins? It's the one you feed the most. That's why reading the Bible, dear church, is not an option. If you don't read the Bible and stay in prayer and feed your spiritual man, you will walk in the flesh. You've got to keep your spirit man strong. You've got to keep your spirit man strong. Got to. You can't just come to church on Sunday and expect that to fuel your tank for the rest of the entire week. We all have to learn to get up, open up this Bible, read it ourselves, pray ourselves, seek God ourselves, and strengthen our inner man. If we don't, we'll get cranky, gnarly, fleshly, carnal, and we will not walk in the Spirit, nor will we produce spiritual fruit, though we are still saved. I mean, he's just telling us the truth. And this is the Apostle Paul. Natural lusts and appetites, born and bred in us from infancy, continue to cry out for indulgence and satisfaction. The will has become bent towards carnality and the heart craves material pleasures. So how does Jesus incline our hearts to go in the opposite direction of what they would go left to themselves. How's he do it? Through his word and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank God that he gave the church his Holy Spirit. No wonder he said, don't go preach, don't go teach, don't go minister, don't do anything until the Spirit of God has come upon you. Because he knew left to ourselves, we would never produce spiritual fruit. We've got to abide in the vine. And if you abide in him and his word abides in you, you will bring forth much fruit. And your fruit will remain and it will bring glory to God. But you've got to abide in the vine. How do we abide in the vine? By the word and by the Holy Ghost. That's how you do it. By the power of his spirit, God draws us. He does not force us, but sweetly guides us in the direction of righteousness. This is all the work of the Holy Ghost within us. Arthur Pink wrote, he presents weighty reasons, casting into the mind one after another till the scales be turned. There you are in a fleshly battle. The Holy Ghost brings to you one reason after another after another why you should go in the way of righteousness. And finally, he gives you enough reasons that it tilts the scales and you say, I must walk in the holiness of God. This is not a work that is done once for all in the soul. It I wish it did happen once for all, but it doesn't. 
It's an ongoing daily renewal because the flesh or sinful nature remains in us unchanged even after salvation. Praise God. This is why we must continue to ask God to incline our hearts toward him. Lord, bend my heart, incline my heart. David prayed, ever saturating our minds with Scripture and feeding the inner man with the good things of God. If we by the Spirit, quote Romans 8, 13, put to death the evil deeds of the flesh, we shall live. How do you put to death the evil cravings of the flesh? By the power of the Spirit. Amen. And you got to keep that spirit man strong or the flesh will prevail. I don't care how long you've been saved, the flesh will prevail. Amen. Now, the second thing is the Holy Spirit prompts us to outward acts of righteousness. Not only does he move us towards holiness on the inside, but he prompts us to outward acts of righteousness. Have you ever noticed different people are guided by different things? The wayward child and the self-willed youth guided by their own unsanctified and unsubdued spirit. First thing that comes out of a child is, no! Or, I want! The man of the world is controlled by the spirit of the world. The wicked are governed by Satan. That Paul said in Ephesians 2, 2, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. There is a spirit that is working in the godless. It's a spirit. It's not just a psychological mindset. There is a spirit that works in the children of disobedience. The spirit of the devil, spirit of Satan, spirit of rebellion, spirit of antichrist. But the Christian is to yield himself to what everybody, say it with me, the still small voice of the spirit. The Christian walks by a different law, by a different rule, by a different power. We are not subject to the spirit of this world, and we are not being led around by the spirit of the devil. We're being led by that still, small, gentle, beckoning voice of the spirit of God. No wonder Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You will find what for your souls? Rest. When the Spirit of God is leading us and guiding us and living in us, it doesn't bring turmoil. It brings rest. You have rest for your soul. That's why since you got saved and started walking with God, the years have been easier on you. You ever seen somebody 20 look 40? That's what sin does to you. Sin makes you get old before your time. It says the way of the transgressor is hard. But the way of the righteous, it adds life to you. It slows the wrinkling process down. It does what Max Factor can't. <laughs> and Beverly Hills 90210 plastic surgeon can't ever do. If you live in sin, you're going to look like it. If you walk with God, you're eventually going to look like it. I believe that. Do you believe that? I really do. I believe that. The Holy Spirit fulfills his office of guide by three distinct operations. Let's look at them. Can you say with me, he's my guide. 
Look at your neighbor and preach a little bit and say, he's your guide. See, y'all get to preach when you come to this church. Some of you just looking straight at me, you didn't even do it. <laughs> All right, now, here's what he does. Here's how he fulfills his office of guide. First, he ministers life and grace, giving us a new nature. He gives us a new nature. Ezekiel prophesied, a new heart will I give to you, and a new spirit will I, what everybody? Put within you. That is so powerful. So he puts a new spirit within us, and he gives us a brand new nature. Now the second thing, he stirs us to action, giving more grace. Paul said he gives more grace. He moves upon our soul, strengthening us to act according to his promptings. He works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's one of the marks of a child of God. You, your want-to-do changes. You used to chase sin, but now there's a new nature in you. So the Holy Ghost is working in you both to want to do the will of God, and then he gives you the power to do the will of God. That's his ministry, according to his good pleasure. Third, he directs that action into performance of duty. What I mean by that is this. He empowers us to live lives that are pleasing to God. He begins to change the way that you live. And what at first becomes a few actions here and there finally becomes habits that are righteous until finally your whole lifestyle, the way you live, has been altered and changed and transformed by the ministry of the Spirit of God. So that first he starts working righteousness within you, but it doesn't stay within you. It starts coming out of you into action. James said, you show me your faith without works, without action. I'll show you my faith by my actions. So you can't get saved. You cannot be born again. You cannot experience God and not have it very quickly begin to affect the way that you act, the way that you live. There is no way. Don't tell me you've been saved if it hadn't changed your life. It'll change your life. Amen. All right. Though the children of God are light in the Lord, and that's what Paul calls us in Ephesians 5, 8, he calls us light in the Lord and have a general understanding of the way of godliness, yet still much ignorance and darkness still remains in us. And therefore, in order to keep a steady and constant course of obedience, we must be guided by the Holy Spirit. How many of you can say, I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm sure not what I used to be? You say that? And so God has brought us a long way since we said yes to Jesus. But how many of you can also say, I'm very aware throughout the day there's still areas in my life that need to be renewed, still areas where I stumble easily, still areas that that need to grow. Anybody? All right. That's what I'm talking about here. So that's why we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. God has promised his continual guidance to us. David said, the meek will he guide in judgment and the meek will he teach his way. And not just guidance in a general sense, but guidance in particular things. Now look what God said to Isaiah. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. 
Now that's God and that's personal. He said, I'm going to teach you how to profit. And I don't believe that's just talking about money. Mm -mm. If you bring it all down to money, you have hugely shortchanged, no pun intended, the teaching of the word of God and the whole work of salvation. He's not a divine Santa Claus in the sky. He doesn't jump when you pull the lever after saying the right thing. He's sovereign and he will bless you with material things. But that is not the sum total of the word of God or of the gospel. Teaching you to profit, how about he delivers you from some of the things that used to bind you because you have had your mind renewed and he has taught you how to avoid the snares of sin. How's that for profit? I mean, there's a lot of ways that God can teach us to profit, but I think we can easily say this, you follow the Lord and give him your life and you're going to profit. It's going to profit you. It's going to add to your life, not subtract from it. And so he's not only going to teach you how to profit, but he's going to lead you in the way you should go. As opposed to the way your heart may want you to go, God's going to lead you in the way you ought to go. Thank God. David knew this and he prayed earnestly. I love this prayer. I've prayed it so many times myself. He said, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation and I'm going to wait on you if it takes all day. Do you hear the earnestness? Can you say these with me, everybody? Show me, teach me lead me you know i just feel like we ought to just pray right now and pray this this prayer can we just pray and just look up and say with me lord show me and teach me and lead me in the way i should go because you're my god i'll wait on you if it takes all day Thank you, Lord. Isn't that powerful? Give the Lord a hand, can you? Amen. Notice David's utter dependence on God. Totally dependent. I'm waiting on you all day long. Don't leave me for a moment to my own inadequate wisdom. Don't leave me for a moment. And David knew that he daily needed the Spirit's guidance to avoid the pitfalls of this present evil world. Look what he prays in Psalms 119. Order my steps in your word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Lord, this world is full of snares and traps. I'm asking you, keep me from any iniquity, any sin getting the better of me. Look at the dependence of this man who was king over the mightiest nation on earth, but totally like a child in the presence of God. The way of the cross, everybody, is a narrow one. I'm I'm being truthful with you. It's a narrow one. Uh, Hard to find, Jesus said, and harder still to be kept, Jesus said. Unless God guides us daily by his spirit, we're not going to get there. The way of the cross is restricted and it's constricted. Others may, but you cannot. You look at others and you go, how come I can't live that way? Because you're under the cross. You're a child of God. And he's weaning you from the world. 
And so, though it is narrow and restricted, isn't it amazing that when you start walking down that road, it broadens in terms of freedom. Though it's restricted, you end up free. If you go down the wide road, you end up restricted. Have you ever noticed somebody that lives in, has lived in sin a great deal? Their whole life is completely restricted. They can't do this. They can't do that. They've got snares and traps and hang-ups and, and, and all kinds of stuff that sin has brought them into a restricted lifestyle. But Jesus said, you'll know the truth, the narrow way, and that truth will lead to freedom. So you can go down the broad way and have all that liberty, seeming liberty right now, and end up restricted. Or you can take the narrow way and end up free. In light of these things, how can we know whether we're being led by the Spirit of God? Let me just close with this. How do you know you're being led by the Spirit of God? Those led by the Spirit of God will regularly examine their hearts and take notice of their ways, that sin might be checked and greater obedience to God might be apprehended. Did you know that? If the Spirit of God is leading you, He's going to bring your life into account every day in your heart in in the courtroom of your heart look what paul advised test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith don't drift along taking everything for granted give yourselves regular checkups amen no i didn't know that was in there that's in there every time you open up the word you're giving yourself a checkup I never read the word in the morning that something doesn't kind of hit me. And I go, oh, gosh, forgive me, Lord. Well, y'all are a quiet bunch tonight. But you better give yourself a regular check. And if you're being led by the Spirit of God, he's going to be checking you. He's going to be checking you. David prayed like this. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. That is a gutsy prayer. Cross-examine me, God. That's why some people will never come to church. They are so terrified of being cross-examined by the Word of God. Or they'll go to churches where you can go there for 100 years and never get saved. Don't have to worry about it because you're never going to hear about the blood or the cross or anything and that's a shame you come here you're probably going to get cross-examined i get cross-examined i'm the one that's got to get the message ready it steps on all of my toes before even one of yours gets touched but i want the cross-examination of the holy spirit i want to examine myself and say am i doing okay in the faith you ought to have somebody in your life that you can be accountable to who will cross-examine you And guys, y'all need to get ready because we're about to start having men's meetings and we're going to cross-examine you. <laughs> Isn't that right, David? We're, we're getting ready because I know, what, I know what brings forth fruit. It's when, it's when the, the tree is pruned, it brings forth more fruit. Okay, quiet in here. I'm, I'm going to get this tape, Pastor Jeff. Praise God. Now look at this. Here's the second way you can know you're being led by the Spirit. We're almost done. Those led by the Spirit of God will be directed to the Lord Jesus in all things. 
When the spirit-led person has a deep need, he or she will turn to Christ if you're being led by the spirit. Has that person sinned? He'll take it to Christ for cleansing by his blood. If the spirit-led person is oppressed in some way, the spirit of God will lead him to the one who is able to deliver him. When you're spirit-led, the spirit leads you to Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? And Jesus said that that's what he would do. It is the special ministry of the Holy Spirit to promote the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and to lead the needy to him. Jesus said of the Holy Ghost, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is always, always making Jesus famous to you. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make Jesus famous, to preach Jesus to your soul. Amen. Now the person who is led by the Spirit of God will be directed down the highway of holiness. There is no way around it. The Spirit of God will lead the believer away from the vanities of the world to the delights to be found in the Lord himself. What kind of a spirit does the Bible call him? He is the Holy Spirit. Okay? He turns us from the husks which the swine feed upon to spiritual realities, drawing our affections to things above every time. You know, I thought a real good way to know if you're walking in the flesh or if you're walking in the spirit is to look at what you're feeding on. Because that prodigal son, he walked away from the father's house and he ended up in a pig pen. And what was he doing? He was feeding on pig food. Could he have ever imagined when he left the father's house that that's what he was going to end up doing? Could he have ever foreseen that that is where he was going to wind up in a Gentile pig farm where the pigs were accursed creatures anyway, eating the food of pigs. But see, if you walk away from God and you walk in the flesh, you're going to end up feeding on pig food. And you'll be amazed at what you'll end up feeding on if you walk away from God. But if you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be feeding on angel food. The Spirit will always lead you to feed on the things of God. Everybody's feeding on something. Here's angel's food. This fellowship is angel's food. Worship is angel's food. And you look at what some of those folks out there in the world are feeding on, it's tragic. Shooting it up, snorting it up, drinking it down, smoking it, feeding on pig's food. But thank God, if you're full of the Spirit, you're going to be feeding on the things of God. If then, this is the final verse, can you read this with me? If then, let's just stand together and read this, can we? If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And that you will be doing if you are filled and led by the Spirit.
Amen. Thank you, Lord God, for your precious word. Lord, we need angels' food. We need to be feeding on the things of God. We ask you, Lord, that we would be led by the Spirit, that we would feed the inner man with that which will strengthen our faith and lead us down that narrow road that expands to life. We thank you for it, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be ruthlessly honest with ourselves about sin. To examine ourselves and allow the Spirit of God to examine us. So that, Lord, our walk with you can be clear and clean and maximized. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And if you can agree with that prayer, say a hearty amen. Amen. Well, this is the reason for the season. It's Jesus. We got more Merry Christmas buttons out there. And Sunday, 1030, looking forward to seeing you and preaching on Starstruck. And the choir is going to bless our socks off. I just know it. So have a great night. Go out there and get some food. God bless you. And watch what you feed on out there. Amen. <laughs>